This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, January 30th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. In a whirlwind week for some particular stocks, the controversies seem endless. Retail traders running up troubled stocks, putting hedge funds in a squeeze. Trading platforms like Robinhood suspending trades for the suddenly popular stocks. And on the bright side, traders might have saved a chain of movie theaters for a generation. Cato's Jennifer Schulp looks at Wall Street's wild week. The latest twist in the saga of GameStop and AMC and other stocks on which a lot of uh, big investors are short uh, is that Robinhood and a number of other platforms that purport to provide the people with uh, opportunities to, to make trades and make some money shut it down uh, or shut down at least trades on a few of these stocks. The signal, obviously, from uh, a lot of people, when you name your app Robinhood, the assumption is that uh, you're, it's okay to take from the rich and give to the poor, but they were shutting these trades down. Do we have any better idea now why that was happening? We do, um, and it presents a bunch of tough questions. Say from the, from the outside, it's always interesting when you get an issue that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ted Cruz agree on. Um, to stand up and and be angry at Robinhood for shutting down the trading. And as a matter of principle, I completely agree that the trading should be allowed to happen. Um, We want investors to be able to make their own trading decisions, um, particularly on these platforms and particularly where the market is volatile. But there's other issues at play. And kind of after market close or late in the day yesterday, Webull, Robinhood, all kind of gave a little bit more color to the decision that needed to happen, um, to the decision that they made. Um, and I think we'll see this play out in the long term. Their, their decision making, as they've put it, has been based on essentially the risk and the liabilities that the firm has to take on to execute this level of trading. Um, complicated back office securities stuff. But um, Trades are cleared um, sometimes through the brokerage firms themselves, but also through clearing firms. And there's a delay um, between the time that a trade is made and the time that it's cleared. And the brokerage firm itself is responsible for essentially putting up that type of collateral while the while while the trade is pending. And given the rising price of all of these stocks, but particularly uh, GameStop. This was, might have been more money than some of these brokerage firms were able to handle and able to give to their clearinghouses to stay solvent and carry the risk of this trading. Uh, I think we'll see as this plays out whether or not the decisions that they made were actually legally required to be made at the time because they were running out of runway in order to keep operating their operations for other people to trade as well. So assuming this was not malice, that is, we would like you to stop making money because we got some high-level phone call from hedge fund guys saying, please, they're killing us. You have to make this stop. Uh, There are potentially some at least technical reasons and some regulatory reasons why they have to be able to uh, have some cash on hand. And when all the, as, as they say, like in a casino, if everybody starts winning 
at the same time, kind of like the plot of Ocean's 13, um, that can pose a, a technical problem for the house, as it were. Yes, exactly. Um, say, and even if everybody doesn't start winning at the same time, um, as the stock prices climb, just making those trades are potentially problematic for the brokerage firms, aka the house in this situation. Um, when you had a, a stock that was much more thinly traded a couple of weeks ago at levels that were looking like $20, $30, and is suddenly trading at 400 that's a big difference in the amount of capital required to keep that operation running smoothly. Um, there's also a number of other potential technical factors, um, just handling the volume that was going through. We've heard some reports about some of the um, executing brokers having problems handling the volume. Um, so there, there's a lot of market mechanics at play here that certainly played into any decision-making that, that these firms were undertaking. Um, I, I looked briefly at a chunk of the Robinhood terms of service, and it seems like whatever their reasoning was, uh, there are, they seem to have a pretty solid out. We're, you know, we're providing this service to you essentially for free, and uh, for any number of reasons, we can prevent you from making trades on certain stocks? Uh, that's definitely in their terms of service. I'll say it's in the terms of every brokerage firm's service, whether they're providing this service for what they're calling free or not, um, in part because there are regulatory requirements around when the firms are allowed to have trades be executed. Um, so I think the, the big class action that was filed in, in New York was basically based on breach of contract. Um, there were some other claims in there, but but I think the breach of contract case is going to be a difficult one. Um, that said, there's there's a lot of reputational damage that that was probably done to Robinhood here by that decision. I mean, they're going to have to explain what happened better. I think in order to uh, undo some of that damage uh, when you're when your business is built on free trading for everyone all the time, um, needing to shut down trading or shutting down trading, period, um, is, is a big problem. There is an upside to this story, even if you're uh, not a uh, small trader who's been taking advantage of, of hedge funds and other people who were short on uh, these stocks. Uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal. A private equity firm that owns a chunk of AMC Entertainment Holdings, Inc.'s bonds is converting them into equity. Following a remarkable rally in the cinema giant stock as AMC struggles to ward off bankruptcy amid closures of movie theaters during the pandemic. And uh, at Bloomberg, uh, Matt Levine, or uh, Matt Levine, my apologies, uh, he writes that, uh, that that conversion price was $13.51 a share. That's, of course, well below uh, what the the market price was. Uh, he writes, $600 million of debt vaporized by Reddit enthusiasm. Quote, in the absence of significant increases in attendance from current levels, there is substantial doubt about our ability to continue as a going concern for a reasonable period of time. That's what AMC told investors Monday. Four days and a billion dollars later, there was somewhat less doubt a week ago. It was not crazy to think this company was doomed. Now it is entirely possible that it will survive and thrive and show movies in movie theaters for decades to come because everyone went everyone went nuts and bought meme stock this week. 
uh, which is, that's funny, <laughs> but it's also uh, potentially you have the, these small investors banding together uh, and in a sense acting as angel investors uh, or, or jumping in in such a way that we like this company. We would like to see this company continue to operate. Uh, maybe that wasn't the uh, motive of a lot of the people who were buying AMC stock, but it's at least a technically feasible outcome for a lot of companies that might otherwise be in dire straits. Yeah, and I think it really points out that there's winners and losers in all of these situations, um, and that it's ultimately very difficult would be very difficult to regulate this type of behavior, um, the type of behavior of the Redditors, because there's there's a lot of signaling that can be done here about the viability of a company, um, about investors' interest in that company, about investors' desire to make that company survive that isn't being picked up by large institutional trading or your traditional Wall Street players. Um, this is potentially a very valuable signaling device um, and can put, I'm not saying that the, the amount of capital that could be allocated to GameStop right now is optimal, optimal because I don't think it is, but, but they can put capital to use in a socially optimal way. Um, I think drawing lines based on this particular situation is going to be dangerous and wrong. Um, exactly for that reason. So for uh, the hedge fund managers who were short on GameStop and AMC and and others or have been short on them, what is the is there a disciplinary function working here with uh, the extent to which it's like oh, we have a very negative outlook on this stock and we're going to buy a bunch of stock and then resell it and expecting that it will continue to go down and then it not playing out that way? Uh, to me, shorting is just this inherently risky thing where you are, at least technically speaking, uh, opening up yourself to potential losses that exceed your entire net worth. I think that there may be a disciplinary function here, but I th shorting, as you point out, has always been risky. Um, I mean, last year, people lost $39 billion shorting Tesla. Um, and we know how Tesla is continued to rise. Um, so the idea that this is going to stop short sellers, I, I think, is is misplaced. Um, but what it may do is inject some, say, it is injecting some unpredictability into the situation and may cause some of these hedge funds to look a little bit differently at the risk on their books. Um, that said, I don't think it's going to bring an end to short selling. Um, short selling can be very profitable um, and it can be very unprofitable. Uh, that's always been the case. That continues to be the case. The potential losers here, aside from hedge funds, are the people who jump into these kind of things late. Uh, they miss out on a lot of the gains. They miss out on extracting dollars, dollar for dollar from uh, hedge funds. Um, and so these are potentially small investors who are what are called bag holders. These guys are left holding the bag after the, after the rally ends. Um, 
what is what should what is the proper takeaway for regulatory agencies who want to say who would probably like to jump in and say now you got to be protected from these kinds of these kinds of trades we got to protect you from this casino environment yeah i think the proper response there is that protection comes through education there can be any number of people or institutions left holding the bags in any of these situations. We, we Stock market run-ups, stock market bubbles are a function of the markets essentially since the beginning of time. Um, and retail small investors have been in the same situation um, as long as they've been playing the markets. Uh, again, it's very dangerous to draw lines telling people this is a good idea for you to invest in versus this is not a good idea for you to invest in. And I don't think the regulator has a proper role there. But where a regulator can act and where these trading platforms can act is in helping people to understand what the risks are. Um, Robinhood, I believe, recently announced that they were going to create an educational platform for novice investors. I mean, remains to be seen whether that will be uh, great educational value or not, but um, helping people to understand that getting in late in a rally is more likely to lose you money than gain you money is is important. Um, but restricting their ability to to try to make money in those circumstances is is the wrong choice. Jennifer Shelp directs financial regulation studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>